Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, September 29th edition of the Basement Academy. As we wrap up this week of reflecting on a few of my favorite psalms, a few more of my favorite psalms, here's one more. We've actually read Psalm 29 a number of times over the last few years. Um, we started this effort back in March of 2020, right? So what is that? Maybe three and a half years ago. And uh, it took a few weeks before I started reading the Psalms, but uh, Psalm 29 has been a frequent flyer. And uh, just love this Psalm, love the language, the po poetry to it, um, the images, but particularly, I think, what it does for our hearts. It lifts our hearts. And so this continues on with where we were yesterday in Psalm 148, reflecting on this call to worship and praising God. So, uh, psalm 29, it tells us it's a psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Amen. What a great psalm. There's clearly repetition. The voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the kol Yahweh. The Lord thundering. Okay. <clears throat> Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. This is a call to worship. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. What is the glory due God's name? It says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. We live in a uh, society, in a culture now, where respect and honor and other words for glory, but respect and honor are so very important to so very many people. Uh, it drives a lot of human behavior. People driven to be the best so that they can be respected, they can be honored, they can be on top. Whether it be uh, the sciences, art, uh, music, public service, sport, um, church, I think. Uh, ambition, sadly, I think is dri drives uh, some church uh, activity uh, in ways that perhaps I think it shouldn't. Um, People excel in so many very ways. Uh, philanthropy, um, accomplishments and achievements and skill rightly 
are noted, are honored. Um, it's interesting in a social media world where, you know, we're driven now by so much that kind of happens out there. You know, when I grew up as a kid, you know, you only knew kind of a small circle of people where you lived and went to school and played. And now kind of the world is available to us, you know, through social media and, and, and increased television exposure, etc. There is something in us, I think intrinsically as humans, that knows that we give honor, we respect those who achieve, those who accomplish. I mean, why else do we spontaneously applaud whether it's, I mean, sometimes we do it in church and not everybody thinks we should be applauding in church, right? But, but a, a, a beautiful performance, a, a great catch, um, you know, a dance performance, you know, we, we, the crowds, there's something in us that wants to lift our voice and clap our hands for the accomplishments and the achievements of those on the field, on the stage, etc. Et and so there's something in us that knows that. And when people feel that they have not received the respect that they are due, they make that known in our, in so many of our social media spaces. So, as, you know, reading the psalm this time and thinking about it, that this phrase kind of caught my attention. Give God the glory that is due his name. That the language is that there is something that is owed to God. There is almost an obligation. It's almost like we are indebted to, to honor him. There is respect that he is due, that, 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 that he rightfully deserves. So what has God accomplished? What has God done that would bring him glory? It's interesting how many people there are today, one, that think there is no God, or if there is a God, he's not doing a very good job. I mean, look at all the mess of this world. If all the suffering, all these children, all these fires and all this chaos, come on, if God were really God, he'd be on, his, he'd be on the job. I do not believe that is the right way to think about this, my friends. God did not create the mess. We did. <laughs> God created the beauty. God created the arena. God created the stage. The, the All creation, we talked about this yesterday, all creation is the theater for God's glory. That's John Calvin. And so he creates the mountains. He creates the clouds. He creates the sun, the moon, the stars, all that Psalm 148 bids to join in the, the chorus of praise God has created all this beauty, all this life, your life, my life, all life. Wow. Um, uh, the, the language of the Nicene Creed. He has created all things visible and invisible. So there's, there's a transcendent realm. That the imminent realm we can see, we can touch, we can we can perceive it, we can, you know, know it. 
But there is an invisible world, a transcendent world, a transcendent realm where we believe goodness and beauty and truth and justice and love abide, these, these virtues that we aspire to. Why do we move in that direction? Why, why do we think there is a, an arc of the universe that bends towards justice, as some say? What is this notion of justice? Well, it's, it's woven into the fabric of this creation. We know, we look at the world and we see it's messed up and something in us knows that it's messed up. Because God has created us in his image and we know to be just is to be rightly ordered. A just society is a rightly ordered society, rightly ordered with God, rightly ordered with one another. And so God has created this world that we can see all this beauty (laughs) and he has created the world that we cannot see but what we perceive spiritually. He's created the inner part of our lives, not just our bodies but our spirits, our souls, our, our gift from God. He's given us the capacities to taste food and to hear beautiful music and to see uh, beauty and to touch and to handle and to build and to hug and to all of this that we experience without even thinking about it, without giving God the glory due his name. And so how many people accomplish without ever stopping to thank the one who gave them the skill to accomplish, that created them in the first place? Now, there are many who do, thanks be to God, who who honor God for their accomplishments. And so we give God the glory, do his name. And then, of course, what glory is due God because of Jesus the Christ? The Son of God who was born, who, who lived, who taught, who, who offered his life, who rose again. We're so familiar with the story that we, we forget to be in awe. To give God the glory for the resurrection, to give God the glory for the atonement on the cross, to give God the glory for the teachings of Jesus. Think of how the teachings of Jesus, his words, have changed your life, this life, this world. I mean, essentially, Western civilization is built upon this foundation of God and these scriptures and the the ethics of of Jesus Christ. I'm going to kind of pivot and share a story from many years ago, 1995. Uh, We had just uh, moved to Colorado from little town in Kansas, Halstead, Kansas. I've told the story of Halstead. And uh, that fall... Cal Ripken, a baseball player for the Baltimore Orioles, was approaching a a, a phenomenal achievement. Lou Gehrig had played with the Yankees back in the in the uh, 1920s and had played um, was it 2191 straight games, might be more than that. And Ripken was a, a, a ready to eclipse that record. And so I happened to be watching the evening that it was at Baltimore Stadium, the Orioles Stadium, that he, he, he surpassed the record. And imagine that for an athlete to play that many years straight, that many games. It's just, it's phenomenal. Injury, illness. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong <laughs> in, a, in a professional athlete's career, uh, particularly one that's so rugged, 162 games a year, year after year after year. And what was amazing, after the game, so you know there were banners and celebrations in Newton Holland, but after the game, Cal Ripken, 
he just slowly jogged along the perimeter, kind of the inside perimeter, and fans were reaching over the railings and out in the outfield just to touch him. And the place went nuts for, I don't know, it was probably like a 10 or 15 minute celebration as he slowly jogged around. And I started to weep. And I'm going, what is going on with me? And I realized if we are this moved and this excited over a champion who endures this difficult journey of playing X number of games, right? What is it going to be like when we see Jesus? He is the true champion. I mean, Cal Ripken's a champion. What a player, great career, unparalleled, you know, what he's done. He'll, nobody will ever come close to that. But if we cheer an earthly champion who his most significant accomplishment, and it is worthy of noting and worthy of the glory due his name, Cal Ripken's name, being the new Iron Man for all the game. Imagine seeing the one, the Son of God, who embodies the very truth and, and, and reality of God. God's fullness dwells in him. And we, when we see the marks in his hands and in his side and in his feet, and when he parades, wow. And so I found myself, my tears were coming out of my eyes when I realized what I'm watching. This is a foreshadowing of heaven. We're this excited for an earthly champion. Imagine when we see the heavenly champion running and when we greet him and he greets us and he welcomes us and he embraces us. Wow. Ascribe to the Lord, the glory due his name the redemption that Jesus Christ has accomplished, the sin of the world he has taken and he has atoned for it and he has set us free and he has, he has broken the prison house of, of sin and guilt and he has he's broken the prison house of death and one day we shall rise and we shall join him. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, not our holiness. We are not holy. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And then the psalmist goes on and then, and, and then takes us on that journey about the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. Of course it is. We, it just calls us back to Genesis. And so I think there's an image here of the waters. So that formless void, God speaks over the chaos of this creation. And, and the waters are, are a symbol in the scriptures of chaos and confusion and, and evil. Sometimes it is evil, right? And so the storm that Jesus calms, there's a picture that the storm is the place of, of, the, of the chaos, the, the one who confuses the, the, the serpent. And so the voice calm, the voice of Jesus calm the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. God speaks, let there be light. Let there be land. Let there be sea. Let there be, uh, uh, let there be birds. Let there be fish. Let there be man. Let us make man in our own image. In the image of God, he made the male and female. He created them. 
And so the voice of the Lord, which is powerful in creation, then of course, the voice of the Lord that is embodied in Jesus Christ, the living word. If you have seen, the, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so anytime we're reflecting on the word of God and the power and majesty of the word of God, we must also think about the living word of God. So it's not just the Bible. It is the Bible, but it's so much more than that. And so the, the powerful voice of God that creates, that dispels darkness, that renews, that redeems, that, that calls us into relationship. The word of God, these scriptures, reveal his glory. They reveal his name. They reveal his character. They reveal his, his works and his ways, the way God is, the way God works. And so the word of God is a revelatory expression. God reveals himself to the world and to us through his word. His voice speaks through the written words of the page, to the power of the spirit, to our ears, to our eyes, to our hearts through Jesus Christ. And so let us give God the glory due his name because of his powerful voice, his written word, his spoken word, his living word, Jesus Christ. And in his temple, the psalmist goes, and in his temple, all cry glory. And so, yes, those who go to church and in the temple, but those who are in the temple of creation. When we go to church, when you go to church, what are you going for? Why do you go to church? Is it to give God the glory due his name? Is it to be in the temple, in the, the gathered community, in the, the house of worship? And is it to cry glory? And so that's what's going on. So when we gather to worship, I think I've reflected on this with you before, but, but if not, here you go. Our word worship is derived from an old English word, worthship. Worthship, to declare the worth, declare the value of a person or an object. And so when we gather, we gather to declare the worth of God. God is worthy. Thou art worthy <laughs> to receive glory. Glory and honor and power when you read Revelation chapter 4 and 5. For you created all things. They exist by your will. And then worthy and honor to him, the lamb who was slain, who purchased men for God from every tribe, language, nation, and people. And so God the creator, God the redeemer, we see that in that revelation worship. And so we go to declare the worth of God. And so how valuable is God to you? Is God like, yeah, you know, I go to church once in a while and yeah, you know, kind of pay attention to the man upstairs. Or are you going to cry glory, <laughs> to lift your eyes and to lift your heart before the one who created you, the one who redeemed you, the one who will welcome you home one day to his heaven where you can live in glory forever with him and who will renew your body and who will reconcile you 
All the unreconciled parts of your life will be reconciled one day. All the confusion, all the chaos, all the brokenness, all the hurt, all the sadness, all the guilt, all the shame will be healed one day. It will be restored one day. And so we go to cry glory. And in his temple, all cry glory. And then the psalmist ends, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. And there's that picture again of the waters, the mighty waters that God speaks over. He is enthroned over the chaos of this world. He's enthroned over the evil of this world. He's enthroned over the brokenness of this world. Some of us might think, well, then why doesn't he end all of that brokenness, all of that chaos? Why doesn't he fix the world? He has. He is. He will fix the world. He has done it in Jesus Christ when the Son of God became incarnate and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. When he offered his life, the new creation began. Now, well, why doesn't he just make it all better right away? God has purposes, but remember he warned Adam. (laughs) We were created to live in loving fellowship, gracious fellowship, submitted fellowship to God. God God the one determining right and wrong, good and evil, and says, hey, you can eat of any tree, but not that one. Just stay away from that, and then one day you're going to have this tree of life. But Adam and Eve took of the forbidden fruit. They said, you're going to die when that happens. And so the, 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 the warning was real. We are not able, we are not gods. We are not God. But this is what the human family has done. And so God has purposes that are unfolding over time, in time, through time. And so he has redeemed the world in Jesus Christ. He is redeeming the world in Jesus Christ as the gospel is being proclaimed to every tribe, nation, people. That has not yet happened. God wills that there be people from every tribe, every nation, every language. Remember he scattered at the Tower of Babel? He scattered the people So now he has to go gather them. The good shepherd has to gather the sheep from all the places where they are scattered. And that's why we send missionaries. And that's why we pray. And that's why we give. And that's why we worship. And so he has redeemed the world in the death and resurrection of Jesus. He is redeeming the world as the gospel is going out. He will redeem the world. He will set all things right. And this, of course, is what we look forward to. So anyway, I love Psalm 29. It, it, it calls us to give attention to God's word and God's presence, but it calls us to worship and, and to be calm knowing that God is enthroned over the chaos and brokenness of this world. When we think everything's out of control, friends, it is not. And that's why we pray the Psalms. So that on the 29th of every month, we go, oh yeah, God, you are enthroned over the flood the flood of your life, whatever. We talked about the disaster, (laughs) hiding in the shelter of wings until the disaster is passed. Here's another thing. If you're in the flood right now and you're being overwhelmed by something, God is enthroned over that. He is sovereign. He has purposes and he's working them out. So anyway, this is one of my favorite Psalms and I, I pray that it will become one of your favorites as well. Let's pray. Lord, we bless you and, and we seek as feebly 
as we, we do, but, but we seek to bring the glory due your name. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus, the name of Yahweh, the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Speak your powerful word into our lives. Teach us, lead us, train us how to cry glory in the temple. And help us, O oh Lord, to trust that you are enthroned over the flood of our lives and the flood of this world. And how we yearn and look forward to that day when we are gathered with all your people and when we see our heavenly champion, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May God fill you with his glory, the joy, the blessing of worshiping him. May he fill you this day and forevermore. Amen.